Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A warmer for the low. Welcome to Bobby Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Soups with myself, Greg Apes Peters, and now part of the Beeson family of podcasts. We've got a tremendous podcast coming up for you as in segment number two, we are going to be taking quite a look at the Big 12 and we're going to be going out to the great state of Texas as joining me is Drake Toll. He does great work as a host over at 1660 ESPN that is out there in Waco, Texas. We are going to be talking about the Baylor Bears, a team that I feel like, honestly, with all the hoopla around Houston and Kansas in the Big 12, everything that has happened with West Virginia, they have gone a little bit under the radar, so we're going to be talking about them. We are going to be taking a look at the lay of the land in the Big 12. Is the product going to be perhaps a little bit watered down with teams like Central Florida coming into the conference? Is there going to be a little bit more of a pre Premium on home court advantage. So we're going to be taking a look at a lot of different Big 12 angles in segment number two with Drake. Here in segment number one, I'm going to get you set for the upcoming season. We did see some college basketball news that went down on Monday, some of which is going to be affecting these lines night number one. So we are going to be diving in there. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters the M, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. And for those of you guys that are looking for those conference previews, regardless of where you're subscribed, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, you're able to go down the list. If you just scroll down on the list of episodes, you're able to find whatever conference preview you want. We broke down all 32 conferences, and we also took a little bit of a look at what we are all getting with our lone independent school 
in Chicago State as well. So we've got you guys all covered there. And right now for these last few days of the offseason, we are now just two days away from the start of the college basketball season. Going to be taking a look at some of the guys that are going to be in the fold. Some of the guys that are going to be out of the fold. Just can you set for the upcoming season these final two days. And then when Monday hits, we've got 113 Division One versus Division One games. The games involving non-Division One teams do not make the betting board. But if it's a D1 versus D1 game, it is going to be broken down. I'll be giving you guys my side, my total, my picks, all of that. So we are very much ready there. And we are ready for Memphis versus Jack. And State, which right now I'm seeing that line at 19 and a half. I actually do see a little bit of an edge with Memphis, but I had them personally with my handicap more around minus 124 going into the day on Friday, and I did have to drop it by multiple points because DeAndre Williams, he has had his waiver for eligibility denied. 27 years old, by the way. He was old enough to be able to get the team's rental car. 17 and a half points, 8 rebounds per contest last season. He is not going to be allowed to play for Memphis. Now, you do want to be mindful on the side of Jackson State as well. It was looking very promising for them. They have a guy that used to play in the NBA on their sidelines in Mo Williams, but very unfortunately, they lose to Sean Ruffin for the season before it even starts, so that is going to be leaving them a little bit shorthanded, but for Memphis, very much a new-look team from last season. I really thought that if Memphis had DeAndre Williams out there on the court, they could be a top-20 style team. I still think that they're going to be rock-solid. They bring in Jaquan Walton, who I think is going to be able to tear it up. Keep in mind, Caleb Mills, who he comes over from Florida State, was able to put up double figures over at Florida State last season. Back when he was at Houston, he was a preseason American Conference Player of the Year and then just never really panned out at Houston. They bring in Jordan Brown, who's been around in college basketball for under a million, billion years. Lots of talent. We just need to see how it's all going to come together for this team. I know that there were some eligibility concerns with David Jones and a little bit of injury concern as well. Looks like he should be good to go night number one. That's something that I'm monitoring as well, but undoubtedly, that is going to be a rough blow for Memphis. I don't think it really affects them night number one because Jackson State is a team that they themselves, being without Deshaun Ruffin, who they were really banking on, that was a big-time gift for them. I think they're going to struggle a little bit, but I am very mindful of that for Memphis. George Mason, they got some good news. Jalen Haynes, one of the very few Division II transfers that actually got a waiver to be able to play immediately as Woody Newton, but teammate Haynes, he does not get one. He is going to be appealing this. Haynes is a two-time transfer that comes in from ETSU that is better known as East Tennessee State, and I was sort of thinking that Jalen Haynes was not going to be getting this waiver, so I did not go any further sock down with regards to this game, just because if you have not heard anything about these two-time transfers, you just have to assume that they're all out until further notice. The NCAA has not been approving any of these waivers at all. Still does stink for George Mason, as for Haynes last season, he was able to put up 14.5 points per contest. Not a guy that was going to go out there and shoot threes at about 6'7", 6'8", but was able to pull down six rebounds per game. I thought he was going to be able to bring a little bit of rough and tumble to George Mason, but just a theme that we have seen all offseason long, these two-time transfers. They just are not getting these waivers, so that was another one that did not come to fruition.
Another one that did not come through, Antoine Jones. Antoine Jones previously played at Memphis, Creighton, and Louisiana. This guy was actually pretty much a four-time transfer, so he has been really trying to go school to school, and I didn't think he was going to be making the world's biggest impact to start with, but it is still quite a blow for the Central Florida team that I do feel like they are going to have a very rough year out there in the uh, Big 12. Their first year out there, they're really going to be having to rely upon some of the returning experience for the team. Johnny Dawkins has had checkered results ever since Taco Fall has left, and for Jones, he didn't even play during the 2022-23 season. He only played eight games while he was at Louisiana two seasons ago. Just has bounced around quite a bit. A former top 200 recruit that just has not been able to get out there on the floor. And now for Central Florida, it's all about what are you going to be able to get out of those guys like C.J. Walker that returned from last year. They brought in some three-point shooting prop in Jalen Sellers, Shamari Allen, is someone that was able to put up 15-plus points per game at UMKC. I just don't necessarily know how this blend is going to be going, and not having Antoine Walker now out there in the fold, who I did not think that he was going to be by any stretch of the imagination, being like some explosive starter or anything like that, but still, that's going to be rough for them, and this is also a little bit of an issue. Jace Howard, he is going to be missing four to six weeks for Michigan, so... And you've got a pair of Howards that are currently out of the fold for Michigan. And I didn't think that he was going to be playing the world's biggest role. I'm not going to be too far socked down on Michigan the first week of the season as a result. Because I do think that this team is going to be built around Terrence Williams, Olivier Kama, what they're going to be able to do down low along with Doug McDaniel out there in the backcourt. I think what is more interesting to watch is Jalen Llewellyn. Is he going to be able to get back out there on the floor? What is he going to be able to deliver for this team? I did feel like Howard was a little bit of an afterthought, but still, that is a bit of an issue for them. If you are taking a look a little bit at the ACC as well, MJ Rice, he is questionable for the Monday game against the Citadel. And this is something that I am mindful of because when I was looking at the DraftKings line last night, this might change a little bit by the time the podcast uploads. I was seeing NC State as a 20-point favorite over the Citadel. That's a number that I would be willing to lay. The Citadel, just not really a very good team. I said this summer more around 27, but MJ Rice, to me, is worth about a point and a half, maybe two points to the line, so even if he doesn't play in this game, I still would be seeing a little bit of value on NC State, but with NC State, they brought in a lot of really good transfers, being able to keep them out there on the floor and being able to just get some rhythm with them, I think is going to be so big because with NC State, they did have to replace two of their main guards from last year. It's Casey Marcel, who's one of the main holdovers. They bring in Jaden Taylor, who I mentioned before, in Rice. And if these guys are able to make a nice backcourt along with Michael O'Connell, I really think that you're staring at something. DJ Burns was able to prove last year that he's able to do a solid job down low. Even though you lose Ebenezer Duana, they still should be able to do a relatively solid job down low. So something that I am going to be mindful of as well. And then we did see some good news in terms of guys that had some question marks going into night number one. We're able to feel good about Wuga Poplar. It appears as though he is going to be available in that game against NJIT. He did not play in the exhibition game that Miami had about a week or so ago. We remember the Pace College win over St. John's where Jordan 
Jordan Dingle, Cruz Davis, Joel Soriano, all those guys, they sat out of that charity exhibition. They are all going to be out there in the fold. And I do think that it was very interesting that John Rothstein, he did tweet this out on Friday as well. He was talking to a lot of coaches, and this comes as no surprise whatsoever. For those of us that cover college basketball, we saw this be very, very apparent. He was talking about, oh, a lot of coaches did not run their normal stuff. They did not run their normal rotations. This is very little of what you can expect during the regular season, and it's something that I've been talking about on this podcast. The actual results, the actual final scores of these scrimmages, I think we've got to be taking those points like we would whose line is it anyway, which, I mean, shout out to whose line is it anyway. They've been getting a lot of run on this podcast the last few weeks, but if you remember the slogan of that show, it's where everything is made up and the points don't matter. That is a lot of these scrimmages. Do not take too much out of these scrimmages. If your favorite team lost, they're not doomed. If your favorite team won a scrimmage, that doesn't mean that they're going to be going to the final four. I think that you want to be taking a look at who's in slash out of the fold. You do want to be taking a look at rotations a little bit, but trying to make a lot out of these final scores is something that, in my opinion, you really just can't do. And then this was also another piece of good news. Santiago Vescovi, he is back in Knoxville. He had to fly back home. I think that his native country is either Uruguay or Argentina. It's somewhere out there in South America. I apologize for not knowing it off the top of my head, but he did have to fly back for a little bit of a family emergency. He's back in Knoxville. He should be good to go opening night for Tennessee. And Tennessee finding themselves as pretty Mondo favorites against Tennessee Tech. And I was factoring in before I made my line. The fact that Vescovy was most likely going to be in the fold for this one right now. You're finding them as about a 26.5 point favorite. For myself, I did place Tennessee in that neighborhood about 29, 29 and a half points. I do think that Tennessee has a very good track record of being able to cover these games, and I just think that Tennessee Tech is going to be in for a little bit of a rough one, so I do feel a little bit vindicated. And then another injury that I've been tracking in the SEC, Mark Sears. It's looking like he should be able to play in Alabama's opening night game. He had been dealing with a little bit of a groin injury, so it is something to be mindful of. He's had a little bit of a lack of reps here in the offseason just because he has been dealing with a little bit of injury, but it appears as though he should be good to go night number one for Alabama. They're playing against Morehead State. Right now, a lot of books have them as about 22 to 22 and a half point favorites, and I'd be willing to go up to 24 with them, and the biggest reason why is that Mark Freeman is out for the season for Morehead State. He was their do-it-all player from a season ago. That's actually the far bigger injury in this one, not just for this game, but for the entirety of the season for this Morehead State team because, I mean, if Mark Freeman is out there, this is a line that I said at less than 20. Now with them out of the fold, I really think that they're going to be up against it both in this game and trying to be able to win the Ohio Valley as a whole. I actually do think that there's a little bit of value on Tennessee State if you're looking at some conference futures for them to perhaps be able to win that conference. So that is what we all saw in college basketball on Friday. We are just two short days away from the start of the college basketball season. Let's take a look at a conference that has been revered as the top conference in all of college basketball the last few years, and that's the Big 12. And coming up next, we're going to be talking with Drake Toll. We're going to be giving a little bit of love to Baylor. We're going to be taking a look at the entirety of the conference, the new look Big 12 with the teams that come in. What can we expect out of this conference? What can we expect out of these home court advantages? And so much more. That's up next right here on Coast Coast Soups with myself, Peggy Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Hi. 
Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports betting innovative analytics has taken the guesswork and emotion out of sports betting to bring you an innovative and trustworthy resource to enhance your journey to becoming a winning player. With industry-leading money-back guarantee options backed by their sophisticated modeling, they want to introduce you to a system that's not widely seen or available to help you beat the bookmaker. Specializing in NBA, college basketball, and WNBA, your first week is always free. Get started at SBIA1.com today. 
back to the Wealthy Las Vegas for Coach to Go Seats with myself, Jacob Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man as we head out to the southwest part of the country. That's where we find Drake Toll. He's doing tremendous work as the host on the Locked On Big 12 podcast. On top of that, I know he does some great work over at ESPN 1660. That is out there in Waco, Texas. They are currently celebrating the fact that we got the Texas Rangers to get a win in five games in the World Series. You're also able to catch him on the Drake Toll Show over there at ESPN Radio in Central Arkansas. They do that show from midnight to 2 Central Time. If you're looking Pacific Time, that is 10 a.m. to noon. And for Drake, you're able to follow him on Twitter slash X at his first and last name, Drake Toll, with a letter C in the middle of Drake and Toll. And it's great to get you aboard, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, Greg, happy to be here. It's always a pleasure to talk about the best conference in college basketball. That's something that is, at this point, objective and undisputed. You know, the Big 12 does not wave its banner near as mighty as the SEC does as far as conference conference pride. But this is an area where the Big 12 thrives and always a pleasure to talk about it. Yep, and it's something I've talked about on this podcast the last few years. I always mention that when you look at top conferences in all of college basketball, you always begin with the Big 12. They are always number one. But is there a little bit of a fear that bringing in these new teams like Central Florida, like Cincinnati, that it might hurt the conference a little bit? Because I do think that might be a little bit of a rough year for Central Florida. And I think that you know as well as I do, some of these waivers not coming through for West Virginia and Cincinnati might be hurting those two teams as well. Yeah, you look at a West Virginia team that was supposed to be a bell cow in this conference six months ago when Bob Huggins was still at the helm. He was rightfully fired from multiple infractions, and now they're going to open up the season with eight scholarship players on roster. I I still think they will be a force when Big 12 play comes around and when Raekwon Battle is hopefully allowed to play. But for now, I think it's where you start with, hey, the depth of the conference a few months ago looked a lot better than it does today. And you have a UCF team that I believe is going to struggle in Big 12 play and struggle to make this adjustment. And you talk BYU. They're not going to have a very good time. And you mentioned Cincinnati, who was so, so solid under Mick Cronin and now has gone into an era where they're going to struggle, I believe, at least in the early stages of their Big 12 appearance. So I'm not sure that this conference is going to get immediate impact from these newcomers outside of Houston. And what it does is it gives you an opportunity to have an off night. The mantra for so long has been no off nights, no easy nights in the Big 12. And that doesn't exist anymore. When when BYU comes to Lubbock, that's an off night for Texas Tech, an easy night for Tech. When Oklahoma State hosts UCF, that's their off night. They get to almost have a, a quasi buy, considering how good the Big 12 has been in years past with 10 teams. So with 14, you're going to pack in more opportunities for wins. The records aren't going to look as bad at the top of the league. A team like Baylor last season that was a formidable squad, but their records sat around 500 in league play because that's just how deep the conference was. Same thing for a Texas Tech or a Kansas State, a TCU, who all had really solid seasons. Iowa State was the number one team in America defensively last year per shot quality, where I get a lot of my stats and figures, and they also floundered in Big 12 play. So the big difference this season is there's not the gauntlet of Big 12. You're going to have four tough games in a row, but there's always going to be that Cincinnati waiting for you there to give you a break. There certainly is going to be. I feel like there might be a few more breaks this year for the likes of Kansas, for the likes of Texas, Baylor, those top teams. So I think that that is going to be something very important to keep in mind as Drake Tolo does tremendous work over there at ESPN Radio out in Central Texas is joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. And 
with regards to what we've seen on the football side of things. I do think that the Big 12, we have seen a little bit more of an edge with regards to home field advantage on that side of things. And it's going to translate to the basketball side of things as well, because now, as we were alluding to with West Virginia, they're going to have to travel to BYU. And that's pretty much a cross country road trip. You've got a lot of teams that are going to be traveling north of a thousand miles for a lot of these road games. And I do think that that is going to be something to be be keeping in mind throughout the season, because I do think that the travel might be wearing on these teams just a little bit. You know, you look at the second week of the season, you see that BYU travels to UCF. So you rip the bandaid there pretty quickly. And BYU also travels to Waco in that same week that those are not close trips for a, a Cougar team that's not alone in this. UCF's going to have a ton of long road trips. I see, you know, Kansas goes to, or make it Cincinnati goes to Texas and Oklahoma. They've got Houston. Those just aren't close games. They're not what these teams are used to, especially those original Big 12 teams. For the longest time, Greg, it was really just West Virginia, this last decade, who had to deal with that. You say, you know, you're a big Mountaineers fan. Where do you want to go? What game do you want to drive to? That didn't exist. There wasn't one of those. It was tough for them to travel. And now there are going to be other teams that are in that same boat. Even still, the closest game to Morgantown would be in Cincinnati, which is about a five-hour drive. So this doesn't help out our friends at West Virginia. It just complicates the problem for other schools as well. They won't be alone in these travel issues, and that's got to play some sort of heavy role in the Big 12. And don't get me wrong, teams have been traveling from College Station, Texas, to Gainesville, Florida for the last decade in the SEC, too. In the Big 10, there's plenty of... It's not close to go from Rutgers to Minnesota. There's nothing about travel in college basketball that hasn't been dramatic for most of these conferences over the course of the last decade or more. So this isn't anything new teams are dealing with, but it is something new for at least nine Big 12 teams that are used to saying, oh yeah, we're going from Austin to Fort Worth next week, or we're going from Stillwater to Lubbock, which aren't terrible, awful road trips. That all changes in 2024. It will be right. It'll be interesting to see how that aspect of this plays out. Yep, I think that that is going to be something to be so mindful of. And a team that I feel like is sort of in the middle, they're going to be able to have a lot of mid-range road trips is a team that is very central to you, and that would be Baylor. And I feel like we've talked a lot about Kansas this offseason. When you bring in something like 100 tickets via the transfer portal, you're going to get talked oh, about yeah. Certainly Houston coming into the Big 12 there, by far the best team that has been coming in. I think that they're once again going to be a minimum top 10 team, perhaps a top five team. But how do you evaluate Baylor? Because it does feel like they've gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. And they have lost a few pieces like LJ Cryer, ironically enough, is going to be within the conference. But I do like what they brought in via the transfer portal. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on the fact that I think that this team is going to be a little bit better down low this year than they have been the past few years. If you're Baylor, it's something you completely and wholly appreciate and embrace, the idea that the country or the conference is not talking about you. That is what Scott Drew has thrived on since year number one in Waco now two decades ago, entering his 21st season with a national championship under his belt. He says, look, overlook us in the conversation of, is it Kansas or is it the field? To me, Greg, it's still Kansas, but Baylor has something to say about that as well as a Texas or a Kansas State of Houston. But for the Bears, you have Langston Love back. Who you're hoping to see it full strength this season for the first time in his career. Baylor, Jacoby Walter, one of the best freshmen in America coming into Baylor. He's the preseason Big 12 freshman of the year and will bring a huge jolt, a young jolt 
to the program in Waco. Jalen Bridges is back for his redshirt senior year. Feels like he's 25 years old, brings leadership to this team after he kind of tested the waters with going pro overseas. Jonathan Chamo Chachua was a key piece in that national championship victory. Then guys like Ray J. Dennis, a newcomer who brings in a whole host of accolades for his from his last few stops. Jaden Nunn, another great Eves Missy, seven foot, two hundred thirty pound freshman. Dantuan Grimes, Josh Ojanwuna. There are names here that are very familiar to those across the Big Twelve, and of course, very familiar to those at Baylor. The question for Scott Drew: How does he play these guys? He has enough talent that plays at an equal level that he could almost platoon his lineup. To say that is to say Kansas has bar none the best starting five in the Big Twelve. I don't think it's particularly close. Baylor, though, will be the deepest team in the Big 12 because the difference from their first five to their second five is not that dramatic. And when you're playing at a level like Baylor has played at now for 10 years under Scott Drew, that's a good thing. I would be scared of the Baylor Bears because of their ability to withstand those long Big 12 stretches that are going to get tough when you play Kansas, Texas Tech, Houston, and Iowa State in a four-game stretch. That's going to eat some teams up and spit them right back out. For Baylor, they'll be able to take that in stride based on what roster Scott Drew has. Yep, and it always helps when you've got one of the best coaches in all of college basketball as well, and Mr. Scott Drew, that's always a big key to it as well as Joining me on the show, we've got Drake Toll. He does great work with the Lockdown Big 12 podcast, along with hosting a radio show out there in ESPN Central Texas, right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. And I do want to talk a little bit about Ray J. Dennis as well, because with Ray J. Dennis, he was the big guy that they brought in via the transfer portal. Certainly, they did a great job of bringing in some of the freshmen that you mentioned. I think that little is going to be coming up big for this team this season. But with Ray J. Dennis, I think that he is so intriguing because a lot of people look at guys coming over from the mid-major ranks and going up to the power conference level and thinking that they're going to struggle. But I'm actually encouraged by the fact that Ray J. Dennis did spend a year at Boise State because while yeah. the Mountain West is not the Big 12, there's no fans or buts yeah. about it, it is yeah. still a very rock-solid conference. And I don't think that Ray J. Dennis puts up like 19 points, six boards, five assists, mm-hmm. sells 20 hot dogs at the hot dog stand during halftime or anything like that. But yeah. I think that he'll be able to come in right away and be a very effective and solid guard in the Big 12. I think Ray J. Dennis might sell 19 hot dogs. We'll set the over-under <laughs> at 19 and a half, Greg, and see where he goes from there. But you're, you've nailed it with Boise State. He has seen a, I don't want to say a high level of basketball in his college career or a consistently high level, but he has seen a talented and competitive level of basketball in his college career. I'm not I'm not going to go blowing hot air up your skirt and saying the MAC is an underrated basketball conference, though there are some good teams out there. But him to be MAC player of the year, to have four years of experience in college, I look at him as the experience pickup. His record speaks for itself at Toledo. He was their best player for a couple of seasons and now brings that into Waco where a lot of folks are excited about him. In his career, he has just been consistent. 3.7 assists, 1.7 turnovers, 11 and a half points, though last year they jumped to 19 and a half. I'm a big holistic guy. I don't want to look at just one year and see what a kid did. I love to go all four. What have you given me if you're a fourth year, fifth year guy? And for Ray J. Dennis, it's just continual, constant progression. And now he moves up from effectively the minor leagues. You go from double AA, A, triple A ball to the big leagues, moving from a Toledo to Baylor. How well can he adjust? He's been great in practice. Can he put it on the floor in the Big 12? Remains to be seen. Yep, it certainly does. But I do think that there's a lot of upside there. And I do think that there's a lot of upside with Baylor in general, a team that has been used to being picked in the top two in the Big 12, certainly with the arrival of Houston. 
It did hurt them a little bit on that front, but I do think that there's going to be a lot of good things to see from this team this season. And How much are you looking at that Tuesday game, which is officially night number two in terms of college basketball? Things get started on Monday against Auburn because I do think that it is also very important that Baylor decided that in the non-conference portion of the slate, they are going to be challenging themselves. Now, not every single one of these games is going to be as hard as one that they're going to be facing off with Auburn on on Tuesday, but that's a yep. Baylor decided that they're going to challenge themselves. And I think that this could be big for them. And it's big for the conference in general, because if they are able to win these games against the likes of Auburn, I think that it really builds up not just a portfolio of themselves, but actually helps the entire conference as a whole. Well, of course, I have USC and Kansas State circled on night one, Greg. That becomes a marquee matchup with the Big 12 team. And then night two, you get Baylor and Auburn. So the Big 12 gets a great shake at things nationally in the first two nights of the college basketball season. And for Baylor and Auburn, and really the Bears overall with their non-conference schedule, this is a prove-it game for Scott Drew and Bruce Pearl. Scott has been knocked out on the first weekend two years in a row following a national championship victory. He feels underrated at 20th in the country, though he'll tell you he doesn't pay attention to that. I know their program uses a ton of bulletin board material. They're going to use that 20th ranking, despite a 7th ranking in Ken Palm, to their advantage this season as an underdog team. They feel slighted. They weren't picked to finish first or second in the Big 12. They think that they can win the conference this year. And again, they know they have the depth to do it. This Auburn matchup pits you against one of the best in Bruce Pearl, and you immediately get to challenge a brand new team. Baylor's got a lot of new starters this year. Even Jonathan Chamochacho is a guy who hasn't started a lot because Flo Thamba was in Waco for so long. So I foresee the Bears struggling in the first five or ten games them being a very streaky team. Maybe they still go eight and two, nine and one even, but it's going to take them a second to put everything and everybody together, considering they don't have a lot of guys who are experienced with one another. Once you click going into Big 12 play, I'm less worried. But for now, games like the Oregon State matchup in late November, this Auburn matchup coming up, Michigan State on the schedule in December, Seton Hall and Duke, those are going to be a huge test for a core that just needs to get comfortable with each other. Yep, they certainly are going to need to get comfortable with each other, but when you've got great coaching, that is going to be able to help out a lot on that front. As joining me on the show, we've got Drake Toll. He does tremendous work over at the Lockdown Big 12 podcast, along with hosting his show out for ESPN Radio in Central Texas. Joining me on Cusco Soups, and when you take a look at the hierarchy of the Big 12, certainly I alluded to the top two teams at Houston versus Kansas. I don't think that there's a lot of debate there, but I do think that it does get a little bit murky when you're talking about, like, do you put Texas in front of Baylor? Do you put Baylor in front of Texas? That middle is really where it gets interesting. And is there a team that a lot of people are picking? We're going to call it three through eight, I think is the best way of putting it, that either you feel like is maybe a tad bit overrated or a tad bit underrated coming into the season. You know, right now, I just don't think you can count out the TCU Horn Frogs. Jamie Dixon has found his footing. That team has been so dangerous the last couple of seasons. And I just have a ton of confidence in where TCU will finish. Fifth place in the Big 12 is nothing to balk at. That's a really good spot to be in. And that's where TCU was last year. Avery Anderson the third, Jameer Nelson, Chuck O'Bannon, Emmanuel Miller. We're not talking enough about what TCU is going to bring you. And then bringing in transfer like Xavier Cork, who's getting his footing now at TCU with a bigger role. Again, Jamie Dixon, I have a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in that guy. And Ernest Uday, who comes in. Last season, per 100 possessions, averaged 17.6 points, 12.1 rebounds. When you take a TCU squad that's going to have, I say, a lot more opportunities to play. I'll put it like this. TCU 
will have more opportunities to play team basketball. To me, there doesn't feel like one particular guy who's going to dominate the floor at any point in time. But I think an Avery Anderson steps up and brings you a glue guy somewhere here. Jameer Nelson comes in and brings you, hey, I'm, I'm a super senior. I can be that glue guy after averaging 20.6 points per game at Delaware. Chuck O'Ban, look, I've been here. I can bring a certain level of leadership to the team. I'm not counting out TCU. And I also, I, I do value Kansas State and Jerome Tang as one of the scariest teams in the Big 12, bringing Tyler Perry in from North Texas, one of the great super seniors who we all touted over the course of the offseason. He's going to play a huge role for Jerome Tang. Jerome's going to be the guy in the Big 12 that's just going to keep winning. Anytime that that roster has a lot of turnover, you still shouldn't count them out. He's going to play the portal well. I think Jerome Tang's squad finishes top five in a 14-team Big 12, where a lot of people might not see, they might expect a drop-off from a Cinderella team from last year. And the one question that I do have with Kansas State is we did see the comments a few days ago from Jerome Tang. He's pretty much counting out Dequan Tomlin for the entirety of the season, saying, and I quote pretty much that if Tomlin is able to get out there on the floor, that'd be considered a bonus because he's considering a season-long injury, essentially, with his suspension. How much do you view that with regards to Kansas State, perhaps struggling a little bit early, needing those conference games, and then being able to peak a little bit later on during the season? Well, it's huge. Let's not rule out a loss of a guy like Tomlin, who would have certainly been a starter for Kansas State and been a, a pivotal piece of this roster, but... To me, that's Jerome Tang's go-to. That's where he comes in best. The leadership aspect he brings as a head coach that can relate to players when you lose a guy like that. Now at this point, Jerome's got to step in and find a way to mesh a team that just lost one of its best. And Greg, to say it's a blessing for this to happen preseason is tough, but you kind of got to work with it here. If this happens in game nine, if you learn that a guy's gone down with injury or he's suspended the rest of the season in game nine, well, we've already gelled together through nine games. The, the good part about this for Kansas State is before the tournament, they're going to have 32, 34 games to figure out how to operate without Tomlin on the floor for the season. That's going to be something that's so helpful about this is, okay, now we know what adversity we're stacked with going into the season. Let's face it. Let's meet it. Let's fix it. That's what Jerome Tang is going to do at Kansas State. Is it an issue for that team? Is it a bad thing for that team? 100% undoubtedly. Is Jerome Tang in a place to face it and still win despite Tomlin being out? Yes. Yep, it is going to be certainly a loss, but I think that you put it so well in that if this happens midway through the season, having to try to adjust on the fly, that'd be a nightmare. Now you're able to take a few days, you're able to prepare without them, think that they're probably going to be facing a little bit of an uphill battle night number one in Las Vegas against oh, yeah. USC, but that said, with Kansas State challenging themselves in that game, that'll give them a good idea of where they need to go and be able to make those adjustments to be able to be firing all cylinders when it comes to Big 12 play and you're a man that is going to be firing all cylinders in non-conference play and Big 12 yeah. play. You do it all over there in the great state of Texas, Drake. I know you host a tremendous job over there at 1660 Central Texas, the ESPN affiliate over there. You do a great job with the Lockdown Big 12 podcast and so much more. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, Greg, obviously, you know, football is the, the bell cow right now. We're breaking down that as Texas and Oklahoma leave and they both vie for a Big 12 championship. So a lot of talk about that on Locked On Big 12. You can follow at LO Big 12 on Twitter or myself at Drake C. Toll. ESPN Central Texas from 12 to 2 Central Time every day. Talking all things Texas to Baylor, Kansas State, BYU even. It's all 
Big 12 Texas, even SEC oriented on that show. And look, when basketball season hits, I can promise you this, Greg, nobody is going to cover the Big 12 day in day out, daily podcast, closer than I will. I'm a basketball guy at heart. This is going to be a huge winter for me because it's my first with Locked On Big 12, my first opportunity to get to go completely hard on Big 12 basketball, and I'm going to do it. I'm excited for it and a pleasure to be invited on the podcast here. You do great work. Absolutely, and we're going to need to get Drake Toll on throughout the entirety of the season because it is going to be a tremendous one out there in the Big 12. A little bit of a new look Big 12, but still going to be a tremendous Big 12 Drake does a great job of being able to cover it all, and it's much appreciated getting him on the podcast. A big thanks to Drake for joining me on Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you need like hearing from the Science Podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way, that's fine, an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. We are just two short days away from the start of the college basketball season. As I mentioned at the top, if you're looking for a conference preview, we've got them all in the podcast list. Whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on. Just search for your favorite conference. It is all broken down there. Once you get the podcast on Monday, it's going to be like a four-plus-hour whopper where I give you picks and analysis on every single one of these games. I'm going to have the timestamps to make it a little bit easier to be able to identify those games. And if you're looking for the spreadsheet link where I post up my daily handicaps every single day because you're able to obviously find it on my Twitter slash xfeed at GNRSquarty1, but I've also got a VEASAN link in the show notes no matter where you get your podcast for that full spreadsheet link. And I've actually got the first three days of college basketball all handicapped there. So we are up and running there. It is going to be a tremendous college basketball season. You guys have been listening throughout the offseason. You guys are grinders. It is very much appreciated. I am so excited for it. I love talking with you guys every single day. And we've got one more podcast before we get the picks and analysis tomorrow. We're going to be talking a little Pac-12 on the podcast tomorrow. And two days from now, you're getting all those picks. So appreciate you guys tuning in today. And I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. 
So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.